Thank you for taking time to listen to this Redemption Church sermon. Redemption Church exists to make authentic disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of our world. We want to help everyday people wake up to a deep, meaningful life in Christ. We pray this sermon will help. For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. Y'all ready to jump into Christmas? Got all your shopping done? Got everything lined out, everything ready? House completely decorated, ready to go? Am I raising your blood pressure and stress level right now? I'm not intending to do that. Um, you know what, can I, can I just pray again for us as we, as we kind of shift gears into looking at God's word? Oh, Father, I just, I pray for just our focus as we head into the holiday season. Father, I pray for everyone's here that we might trust your love for us. Father, for those that are, that are hurting, Father, for those that are struggling, for those that are, are lonely, for those that are weary, Father, we just pray that, that your face would shine upon them, that they might sense your presence, even right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be present in our midst, that you would stir our hearts, that you would open the eyes of our heart that we might see you, that we might trust you more deeply, uh, that we might rely on you, that we might rest in you, that we might love you more fully than ever before this Christmas season. Father, as we turn to your word, would you make it come to life as only you can do. Father, beyond the capacity that anyone in this room has, Father, would you stir us to love you and to trust you and to walk with you. Father, we pray it in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Well, the mystery of Christmas is God became man. That the divine being, the creator of the universe, entered into the creation as one of us. And it's a, it is a mystery. It's something that is majestic beyond anything we could wrap our brains around, anything we could put in a box and understand and package up in some way that would make it simply understandable to us. It's something that's always a mind-blowing thing and ought to be. But what I know about Christmas is that we get into the routine, you get into the songs, you know the silent nights, you know, the, uh, you know all about the manger you know the things you go to the same closet you went to last year and you dig out the same tree or the same uh, same decorations and you fluff them up and try to make them look good again and you do the thing and you put the lights up uh, some of you do elaborate things on the on the outside of the house some of you uh, ignore it completely and just hope that you get through the holidays without feeling ashamed about the fact that you put nothing on the house um, can I get an amen guys you know what I'm talking about uh, you know there's usually two categories those that are like like, I'm doing it. You know, I'm going Christmas vacation. I'm plugging it in and I'm seeing the thing. And then there's people like, I'm not getting on my roof. It's cold out there and I just don't want to do anything to do with it. But it's easy in the midst of it all to miss the, the true heart of Christmas. As we reflect on Christmas and the coming of Jesus in the world, we're going to be looking at a passage out of Isaiah chapter 9. So if you've got your Bibles, look at Isaiah 9 or open your app and jump in there. And there's four names that are mentioned there for Jesus. It's talked about he's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. And uh, these, these four names we're going to look at in this series over the next four weeks. But these were given to Jesus 800 years before he was born. Uh, if you've ever had a child, you know the difficulty of trying to name a child. 
and figure out what the name is. And it's hard enough for us to do in a nine-month period and then to figure out what we're comfortable with. And oftentimes at the end, you second guess. I know I had a family member that they had a name picked out. The kid got there and they were like, that's not right. And they changed it all. And they did it. In fact, I think my mom actually changed my name and didn't tell my dad or check with him. Just said, I didn't like it. I changed it and I just moved it to something else. And so this naming thing can be a little tricky. But think about these names that came 800 years in advance. Are, they're not really the name of Jesus. They're more descriptors of Jesus. They're names because they're things that talk about who he is to us, what we can count on, how we can depend on him, or who we can depend on him to be for us. And they also tell us timeless realities of really that describe who Jesus is and what is available to us through the gift of Christ. So as we head into Christmas, I, I want to encourage us Go ahead and get your cider, get your cup of coffee, get your extra hot chocolate, pull up by the fire, do all the things you normally do, put the presents under the tree, turn on the Christmas music. This is, this is now the acceptable time to turn on Christmas music. Yeah. You understand? It's after Thanksgiving. So you can, you can turn that on now. I know some of, you know, there's, some of you wanted to start at Halloween, but now's the right time. So whatever you want to do, go ahead and turn the Christmas music on. Enjoy it all. But uh, let's also think about the most important gift gift of Christ that came to us, to, to you and to me, this gift of Jesus. Let's look in Isaiah chapter 9, starting verse 2. It says, And the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at harvest, and they are glad as when they divide the spoil as victors. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of trampling and warrior and battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. There's no more battle that needs to be done. All the implements can be burned up as something to be enjoyed. Verse six, why? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. So today we're going to take the first name. We're just going to pick one of those. We're going to take Wonderful Counselor. And we're going to jump in and look at this idea. And what does it mean that Jesus is our Wonderful Counselor? And let me just say, first off, part of what it means is, it's kind of, it's kind of blunt. It's kind of harsh. It's saying, you don't really have it all together. You ever have anyone tell you, like, dude, I think you need counseling? That's what this is, that's what this is doing. It's saying, I, I think all of you need to go to counseling. You need a therapist. You need some help. You cannot navigate life on your own. It seems like, you know, you might be a little offended by the presumptuousness of this verse that just says, dude, you need some help. That you don't have it all together. But let me just ask you this. When you, when you look at our world, is there any doubt that we need a counselor? And when you look at the things that are going on around the globe, is there any doubt? When you see the brokenness and the hurt, when you see the pride and the arrogance, when you see the, the greed and the self-justification, the, um, the, the anger and the division, when you see the, the people that are beat up by bad habits, when you see the hurts that are take place in families, 
Is there any doubt that we need some help? I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Let me ask you this, to get a little more personal. Looking in the mirror, is there any doubt we need a counselor? Because we struggle sometimes to make our families everything we want them to be. Uh, we struggle uh, sometimes because we're, we, we stay way too busy, but we don't ever seem to get everything done. You know that feeling? Like, man, I'm busier than ever, but I still look at my to-do list and it's like, I didn't get to everything today. I don't know how to accomplish it all. Uh, we, we fight against bad habits, but we end up swapping them out for different compulsions um, and just train changing bad habits. We get depressed. Sometimes we struggle to get out of bed at all. We, we look in the mirror, we see the, when we're honest, we see struggles. We see struggles in all sorts of ways and we could all use a little bit of help to get along and maybe, maybe more than just a little, right? Uh, well, when we think about this, the prophet Isaiah who wrote these words really served people like us. He understood what it was like to walk with the worries and pressures of the world. He understood what it was like to have to pay the bills and wash dirty dishes, to try to raise kids to navigate the difficulties of the times and to, to navigate the, the pressures of a world and different political groups and different uh, divisions that were taking place in their world. He understood what it was like to see, to, to be disappointed by your leaders and to be disappointed by those that were around you to be let down and to be and to be let down sometimes with your own uh, with your own reproach to those things in fact he says that they dwelt in a land of deep darkness now in the bible when he speaks of darkness it's talking about a spiritual deadness or a spiritual blindness that you're ignorant to the ways of god and the light of god and the truth of god that you need to be illuminated and you need a revelation of something that shows you the way that god sees the world and that you begin to see a different way. In their world, what he's saying here is that their world was just as troubled as ours. And yet the problem was they were looking for answers to those troubles in all the wrong places. And so as they struggled with that, uh, in fact, if you go back just a few verses, he kind of points out the problem that got him in this place, that they needed this new light to come break into the darkness. In verse 20, it says, to the teaching and to the testimony, exclamation point, which sounds really weird to us, right? To the teaching, to the testimony. Sounds like something out of Lord of the Rings, if I'm honest. Uh, but what he's saying is, to the truth of God, to the, the witness about who God is, you should run. That's where you find hope. That's where you find direction. That's where you find wise counsel. And yet, it goes on to say, if they will, uh, if they will not speak according to the word of God, it's because they have no dawn. They have no light to break into the darkness. What does dawn do? That in the nighttime, in the pitch black of night, a ray of light breaks through. It pierces the darkness and begins to open up so that you can see. What he's saying is there's a people that because they rejected God's word and rejected God's ways, they're walking in darkness. They have no dawn. It says, then they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. What happens when we reject God and we have no light from him? We become hungrier for something and we run after trying to grab something to eat, but it never satisfies and it leads to further distress. And he says, when they are hungry, they will be enraged and they will speak contemptuously against king and God and they will turn their faces upward. I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna, get, they're gonna get kind of snotty towards the Lord. Well, you didn't give me anything you needed. You didn't take care of my problems. You didn't fix it all. But we've rejected and denied his ways, which is what led us to this. And it says, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness and gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into a thick darkness. 
You catch the two phrases there I want to point out. It says, where are they looking for, where are they looking for help in their troubles? It says, they look to the earth. Friends, we're never going to find answers in our world to the troubles of humankind. It's never going to be. What we find is, is darkness. We need a light from outside of our world to break into our world. You notice this phrase, then he says, because they look to the earth, because they run to their own solutions, because they, they try to fix all their problems for themselves, what does it say? It says they move into a thick darkness. It's kind of a weird phrase. How can darkness be thick? You ever thought about that? Like, I don't, you don't, you don't, it's hard to wrap your minds around, like, what does it mean for darkness to be thick? But you kind of feel it, don't you? Like, we know what that means. To be so wrapped in darkness that it's like a blanket has trapped you and you're smothered by it and you can't, you can't get out of the darkness because it's so thick and oppressive upon you. That's the point of what he's trying to say. And what he wants us to understand is that we do the same thing. That so often we run to earthly solutions and it only wraps us further in difficulty and of darkness. Because it doesn't really do. So we tend to, we tend to run... To, uh, to politics or science or to leadership or celebrity causes or social activism for answers, but those things apart from the light of God's truth are never going to bring the reign of God's peace in our lives. They only further thrust us into the darkness as it did to them. Now, what you see is when they're hungry for something new and they keep trying to find their own way, um, it's because it's hard to admit we need help, isn't it? It's hard when someone says you need to go to a counselor to pick up the phone and call a counselor and say, I, I don't think I know how to navigate this on myself, by myself. I need some outside influence or outside help. And we know that's true in our own, in our own experience, but I think it's also true in a spiritual sense. And what Isaiah is warning them is that living in the dark can be a dangerous thing. And if you ignore the Lord and continue to try to fix your own problems, it, it's like further covering yourself in deeper darkness all the way through. But um, as, as, as kind of depressing as that can sound, look back at verse 2 in chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have what? They've seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them what? The light has shone. See, what I love about the scriptures is the scriptures are, are, are oftentimes very blunt and very honest. Meaning there's a darkness in our world. And yet that does not lead us to despair. It tells us where we need to find hope. We need to find hope in a light that breaks into the darkness and gives us something new. God sends light like the first ray of the morning dawn breaking through the night. That's the idea that you're meant to have here. God's, uh, God's grace always asks us to humble ourselves and trust his ways. Do you notice where, where the light comes from here? Does the light come from earth? No, the light always comes from something way uh, distant from the earth. It comes from outside of the earth and it breaks into our atmosphere. And so as long as they're looking to earth for answers, you're going to stay in the darkness. But as long as, the, as, long as things keep moving and light breaks in, eventually it comes from the heavens to the earth. Um, and isn't that good news? To know that in the darkness you don't, you're not stuck there? To know that there's hope that can come your way? Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Friends, we need help that's greater than earthly wisdom. We need help that's from heaven. And here's the good news. The people who walked in darkness see a great light. What God's saying in, through, the, through the prophet Isaiah 
is I'm not leaving you in your darkness. I'm not leaving you to yourself, but I'm going to break through and I'm going to bring you hope. And friends, some of us need to hear this message. Sometimes we all do, right? That God's not gonna leave us in our darkness. This is good news. Do you realize that you're not gonna be forever trapped in your past? That you're not trapped by your family history? That you're not trapped by your genetic code? That you're not trapped by your past sins? That you're not trapped by your sorrow and your hurt and your disappointment in life? that all the things that feel like a thick darkness that oppress you do not define you. That, the, that even in the midst of the darkness, light shines into the darkness and brings a new dawn and a new day. And wherever you've been in life and whatever you feel in life and whatever struggles you carried into this room today, light can pierce the darkness and bring to you and to me a new dawn. And that's where our hope comes from. And I think it's important for us to embrace that at Christmas time, and it ought to be a reminder that in our darkest days, God can pierce the darkness. And I love how blunt the Bible is. In some ways, it's not so saccharine sweet that it goes, you're so good, you can do it. Try harder, do more, pull yourself up, you can make it. The Bible doesn't give us that message. The Bible says, no, sometimes it's dark and you're not enough. And you need a counselor to lead you and guide you that's stronger and wiser than you are. So it doesn't give us a saccharine, sweet, overly optimistic message. It also doesn't give us a cynical hopelessness that's overly pessimistic. The, the Bible doesn't say, you're doomed, and you're in the darkness, you're stuck in the thick darkness, you might as well give up. No, what the Bible says, even in the midst of the things that feel dark in your life, God will pierce it and break in and bring a new day. And it all happens because of Christ. So it prevents us from being overly pessimistic, just as it prevents us from being overly optimistic. There's always hope on the, dark, uh, hope on the horizon, even in the midst of our darkness. Gabrielle Marcel says that hope is for the soul what breathing is for a living organism. Friends, you, you can't survive without hope. And what Christmas is, it's a reminder that hope has come into our world. The dawn has arrived and it happens ultimately. Look at me in verse six. Where does this hope come from? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Friends, do you believe that, that a gift has been given to you of hope? It says to us, not to someone else. To you and to me, a son has been given. A child has been born. And what Isaiah is getting at is the way out of darkness is not to think better or act better or live better or express yourself better. The way out of darkness is seen in the arrival of Jesus that shines like the morning sun into the darkness. He's meant to stand out in great relief to that. He's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. And so today we're going to take this first one, um, wonderful counselor, and I want to talk about how Christ as the light brings hope to us because he's a wonderful counselor. Uh, when you go to look for a counselor, uh, I feel like we should just, uh, part of me wants to like make you raise your hands if you've been a counselor because I know some people here think they can't go to counseling. 
Some people here think it, that it's like a sign of weakness and you don't think you can. I just say, I have. I can just say, I know most of the people in this room, I know, uh, I know a lot of you that have. And sometimes we need a counselor. We all need a wonderful counselor named Christ. Uh, that's just reality because we can't, we can't survive everything on our own. But when you go to look for a counselor, and I, people ask me all the time, I need a counselor. Do you have a recommendation? What are four things I look for? Uh, that you want to look for when you're looking for a trustworthy counselor uh, to recommend to you. Uh, first, four, the four things I look for are credentials. Um, do they have what it takes to do the job? Do they have the credentials to be a counselor? Looks at experience. Uh, do they actually know what they're talking about? Are they fresh out of school and they're just going to throw some, you know, so, some things that they read in a book to me or they actually have some experience that they can guide someone? I want to know, do they have, or what's their reputation? I wonder if someone else that's gone to that counselor and says, man, they were really helpful for me. I want to know that their reputation's good, that they can be counted on. I also want to know what the cost is. Can, can someone afford it? Because that's a reality. That if you want to go to counseling, but you can't afford to pay the bill, then uh, you know you're not going to be able to stick it out. So I want to break through those four things as we think about uh, Christ as a trustworthy counselor. And friends, I happily recommend him to you. I think you should all go to this counselor. I think you should all go visit him and uh, find yourself on the sofa listening to him or actually doing a lot more than that. Uh, let's talk about Christ's credentials. Christ has the highest credentials possible, higher than anyone in our world has to offer. You understand that this baby named Jesus, the son that was given, is also God who is the creator of the universe. That in the beginning, in Genesis 1, Christ was there that through him all things were made. He knows and understands everything about the human makeup because he helped design you and make you and launch you into the world. He knows exactly how you're constructed and how you're intended to walk within this world. He's divine, he's holy, he's eternal. In him there is no guile, no sin. There's no neediness, there's no selfishness. There's no, I'm trying to meet my needs by serving you but he's self-sustaining in the midst of the triune Godhead. And so he's completely able to give objective counsel to you in every circumstance that you would ever face. Colossians 1.19 says, For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. John 8.12 uh, says again, says Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Christ comes to bring you life and fullness of life and eternal life and you can trust him to lead you out of the darkness into a better day he's a wonderful counselor because he has the perspective of god you ever had a counselor you feel like i don't think you really see what i'm trying to explain to you he's got a divine heavenly perspective looking down and sees everything and he sees the big picture of your life and he can give you perspective. He's wiser and stronger and kinder than any other counselor we could find. We should want to trust him with our lives. So he's got the credentials. Let's talk about experience. And you go through a hard time. Do you want someone that you can't relate to? Do you want someone that doesn't understand the things you're talking about? Someone that doesn't seem to have any empathy or compassion or connection to the struggles that you face? No, you want a counselor that can empathize. You want a counselor that goes, man, I understand what it is you're saying. You understand Christ is that kind of a counselor? In fact, what Christmas says is that Jesus became one of us. The, floor, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What it means is God moved into our neighborhood and began to face all the trials and tribulations that we face 
as a part of life in, on earth. So our God didn't remain distant, but he became one of us. Do you realize that no other religion claims to have a God who is, both, who is one of us and understands our lives experientially? Christianity is the only religion. This is the only religious book that tells of a God who left the comforts of heaven and, lay and became one of us so that he would face all the trials and temptations and things that you and I face. Christianity is unique in that regard, that Jesus was one of us. And what it means is he knows what it's like to be one of us as an insider. He, he left the corner office and he came down to work in the factory with the rest of us. And he understands the things that we face. In fact, the Bible calls him a high priest, which is a weird term for us. But what it means is he's the intermediary that goes between us and makes a case for us to God. He makes a way for us to connect with God. And in fact, it means he cares for us and intercedes for us. And his goal is to give us fullness of life in God. In Hebrews, it says this, For we do not have a God who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Friends, do you ever need God's grace and mercy to help you when you're in a struggle? Do you understand that Christ has been through the same struggles that you do and yet he navigated them all well? Christ faced the temptations that you face, but he never fell. Christ faced the, the, the sorrows that you faced and yet he never became bitter. Christ navigated all those things and because he walked through every temptation that we walk through and he's an insider on the experience of life and he knows the emotional tugs and pulls that you experience in your own life, it says he can sympathize with our weaknesses. Isn't that good news? Have you ever have someone try to give you counsel but they don't, they don't seem to care about you? They're just throwing advice at you? And how does it feel to you? It feels cold feels distant. It doesn't make me want to trust them. And what scripture says is that God entered into our world and became one of us. And there's a warmth that's there and there's a connection that's there. And there's a sense that he emotionally feels what we have felt. And he wants you to know he cares for you. And so there's mercy and grace to, in times of need. What it means is Jesus knows what it's like to want to be left alone. And he was just like, I just want a day by myself. But would the world just turn off and leave me alone? It also means Jesus knows what it is to be lonely and to want someone to come and connect with you. Jesus knows what it is to be the pride of his parents. When his parents saw him leading in the temple, even at an early age, and they, their heart beat faster because they're like, that's my boy. But he also knows what it is to be a disappointment to his family. There's another time when his family said, I think he's gone insane. Who does he think he is? understands what it is like to feel the tugs of family. He knows what it is to be blessed with friendship and have people that, are, uh, that, that stand by his side in tough times. He also understands what it is to be bullied and picked on. He understands what it is to be, uh, to be celebrated as, as, as a deliverer and a great man. He also knows what it is to be rejected and shunned. He knows what it is to be seen as a success and to be seen as a failure. He knows what it is to be praised and he knows what it is to feel the pressure to perform. He knows what it is to, be, to face hard life choices. And he also knows what it is to face the, the end of life and his death. Friends, he's a wonderful counselor because he's experienced life with us. 
So he has all the credentials, but he also has the experience he needs to be a good counselor. Third, we see he has a wonderful reputation. Uh, Christ is not just a counselor with good credentials and experience, but he's called a wonderful counselor. The word there means beautiful. It means something that is, is miraculous or supernatural in, in a sense that it's, he's a beautiful uh, counselor, not just a counselor with a good rating on Google search, but a, but, a, but a wonderful counselor in the sense that he's otherworldly in his ability to give guidance and direction to others. Friends, this should make you want to listen to his counsel, not because you have to, not because you need to, not because you're just desperate, but because you just know he's going to lead you into the greatest life you could ever have. That ultimately he's going to bring about flourishing because he's always gonna lead you to, in, in, the, in the way of life, in, in an everlasting, unwavering love. And his wisdom, he has wisdom of God to share, that he's got experiences that make him relate to you, but he's also good and he's loving and he's kind. And so you can trust him. Friends, Jesus would give you the direction you would give yourself if you knew everything he knows about you. You understand that? He would give you the, the direction for your own life that you would give if you understood everything that he understands. He wants you to, to walk and to thrive. It means as a good counselor, he listens. He gives us his attention. He understands what we say. It means he knows our needs better than we do. He sees not just the surface needs, but the underneath needs, the deeper drives, the hungers, the compulsions, the things that, that compel us, the things that cause us to twist up in knots at times with anxiety or worry. He sees it all and he understands what those are. He's always available. You don't ever call him and can't find an appointment. He's always available to you. Helps us make sense of where you've been in life he helps you dream of a better day and where you're gonna go and he promises he can lead you there. He helps you see the big picture to get out of the fixation of you can only see the day right in front of you or the moment in front of you. Sometimes we get despairing because we can only see this far and we just don't see any way out. And what Christ says is there is a light that can break through the darkness that can lead to a better day that's on the horizon if you'll go with me and if you'll trust me. He will lead us to joy and laughter and wholeness because he's a wonderful counselor and that should make us want to trust him with our life. Well, the last thing, if you think of what we look for in a trust, in a, in a counselor is cost. And can we afford to go see this counselor? Do you have enough wealth? Do you have enough goodness? Do you have enough in you to deserve a meeting with this counselor, deserve his direction and his wisdom? Well, this is what's good news that we see in the gospel in verse six. It says, to us, a son is what? Earned. A son is deserved by being all, being really good. A son is, is achieved by being really religious and really moral and really upright. Does, does it say any of those things? No, a son is what? Given. It's a gift. It's something that he gives freely. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. By grace, you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the, it's the gift of God. Romans 6, 23, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, the only way to receive God's salvation and the only way to come to know him as your wonderful counselor is to let the light of Jesus shine on you. What do you do to earn the light that shines on you? Nothing. Nothing. You just live under it. 
That's the picture. He says, look, I will shine. All you have to do is be. And I will shine upon you. Let the gift of the Son be yours to receive. Christ was given as a gift, and that's something not something you earn, it's something we receive. And friends, you're not here, we, we don't come to church in order to, to earn God's love, in order to earn God's counsel, in order to earn God's direction, or to do something in order to prove ourselves. We, we're here to receive something that's already been given for us. Christ has come. Imagine, uh, we kind of, I love our, our artwork for this series. We have a picture and there's a little tag on this that just says, to us. And as you think of to us, think of, think of a gift when you wrap gifts and you always put the tag on there. And uh, you ever have the problem when you, you get to the end of the Christmas church season and you pull the gifts out from under the tree and you start to distribute to everyone and one doesn't have a tag on it? Or it has a tag and there's not a name on it? And you kind of scratch your head and you're like, oh, it's about this size. You shake it and try to remember, like, does that sound like a gift for a boy or a girl? Does this sound like? And you can't remember. What I want you to understand about this gift of Christ is that it has your name on it. Verse 6 says, to us, a son is given. To us, a child has been born. That means to Mike and to Cheryl and to Candace and to Angela. A son has been given. A gift has come. And you need to see your name written upon this gift. That it's theirs for you and all you have to do is receive it. But God designed it and he's given it to you. But if you don't see it as a gift to us, if you see it as a gift for someone else, you're never gonna enjoy the fullness that he intends you to enjoy. Friends, this is the, this is the heart of the Christmas message. Is that ultimately there has never been a gift that makes us swallow our pride more than the gift of Christ. It says, maybe he's trying to break in and give you a message right now. Yeah. He's, he's like, I have wonderful counsel for you if you'll just answer the phone. Um, but you just turn it off, you don't get the gift. You don't get the wisdom if you just mute the phone. That's kind of the message, right? That he's calling, he's given us a message, he's given us a gift, but we have to receive it. And he wants us to understand what it is that he intends for us. And ultimately it's something that in this Christmas season, we each have to embrace for ourselves and we do that by faith. Uh, but it's humbling to receive a gift, isn't it? It's humbling not to earn it for ourselves, but to admit, I can't do this. I need someone from the outside to break in. It's humbling to admit, I need a wonderful counselor. It's humbling to admit that sometimes I get wrapped in deep darkness. Sometimes I walk in deep darkness and I dwell in a land of darkness and I need the light to come. Friends, the good news is light has come. The dawn is here. In Christ's birth, what we see is the first piercing of the sun that breaks through the darkness in the morning dawn. But what we know is that in, in the great plan of God, that eventually that sun is gonna break open fully and everything's gonna, gonna come under his, under his care and the light's gonna reveal everything. And one day he's gonna return and we will actually live under the goodness of his light and there will be no more darkness. That's what we trust. And between the day he came and the day he returns, we need his counsel and he's here for you. As a counselor who has the credentials, the experience, the reputation and a counselor you can afford. So let's walk with him. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you've given us the gift of your son, a wonderful counselor, a light in the darkness, a hope for those who feel hopeless. Father, we pray that you would help us to trust your goodness, 
through Jesus and that your spirit would make, make us trust him more deeply. Father, we pray for anyone here that doesn't know Christ. Father, that feels like they're stuck in darkness. Would you even right now, would you just burst light into their, into their soul? Give spiritual life. Would you take that which is dead and that which is blind and make it to be alive and make it to see your love and your goodness. Father, we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.